All right, yay, we are live and recording. <laughs> Friday Night Feels makes it back today. <laughs> All right, welcome everyone. I am licensed mental health counselor and certified life coach, Patrick Manette. And welcome to Friday Night Feels, which is a show that focuses on a variety of wellness-related issues, such as mental health, addiction, health concerns, stress management, relationships, mindfulness, and much more. The focus of the show is to create connection and to be able to talk about issues that affect all of us and how to be the healthiest versions of ourselves that we can be. Each show, I invite a guest co-host to come and join me and share their experiences with us. Tonight, my amazing guest is Paige Park. So welcome, Paige, to Friday Night Feels. Thank you so much, Patrick. I'm really excited to be here and to share with you and your audience all that pops up. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, Paige, um, for those of you who might know me, I'm a little bit of a talker. So Paige and I were talking, and I'm like, wait a minute, let's just go live, because this is gold. This is gold. <laughs> so um, i just like to share a little bit of, of Paige's background so you know where she's coming from. She helps people reconnect with themselves through yoga, movement, breath work, and meditation. She creates a space where clients can get in touch with their inner voice and listen to their bodies to tune into personal needs and desires. After spending 24 years as a classroom teacher, Paige found teaching yoga to be a powerful way to teach people and saw the impact of her thoughtful sessions and classes had on those who participated. She <clears throat> further expands those thoughts into writing and has been interviewed, had her interviews published in Authority Magazine and Indianapolis Maven. She's received her Registered Yoga Teacher 500 and Registered Children Yoga Teacher Training, as well as Yin Yoga Certifications. Yes. So, I'm so excited. I am too. I'm really excited to be here. So we were just talking about, you know, my experience a little bit. I always love you know, people who uh, practice yoga, because it's sort of like snowflakes. Everybody has their own story. <laughs> yeah. And it's always beautiful. And it's always unique. And it always inspires me. So I'm so glad I was, it was one of those weeks where it was a little bittersweet, you know, just a little heavy. And uh -huh. I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm so looking forward to Friday night feels of like such a uh, great discussion. I just could feel yes. it. No, I'm really excited. I've been excited all week for this. Awesome. Um, would you like to hear my yoga story? Oh my god, I would and love how to. I got into I'm totally yoga. sitting down for it. Okay, good. <laughs> like you said, it's unique, and yoga has a way of capturing you and moving throughout your life. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, my freshman year in college, I took a yoga SPE credit. Class And that was my first introduction to yoga. And I was like, eh, whatever. So over the years throughout my life on and off, um, yoga has weaved its way in and out of my life until about six, six years ago, five years ago, five, six years ago. Um, it was after my dad died and I'll get into my grief story here in a minute. Um, it was after my dad had died and I was looking for something less intense, less physical. I was powerlifting prior to that. And I needed to slow myself down and to really kind of reconnect. I lost connection with myself and with my body. The school corporation that I worked for had uh, yoga classes that they offered um, through just inexpensive here. We're paying part, you pay part, you go take a yoga class. And that woman, her name is Mindy. And she is the reason I became a yoga teacher. 
Um, I loved her classes. They were thoughtful. They were challenging. They encouraged me to get back in touch with my own inner voice. Um, and it just, it was so beautiful. And like I said, she's the one who encouraged me to get my yoga teacher training. And so I'm one of those people, sometimes when I dive in, I just am all in. So I went from a 200 hour to a 300 hour yoga teacher training, jumped right into yin training. And then as soon as yin finished, I did um, the children's yoga teacher training. So in a year and a half, I got all four of those certain. Oh my gosh, you are committed. I love it. I love it. <laughs> when, it when you're moving, right? Like it just flows. It doesn't, it, it just, works. Yeah. By the, by the end of the children's, I was a little burned out on teacher <laughs> trainings and I had to stop. <laughs> get that. I get, yeah. I, I, and it's so funny because I did it all with the same group. Um, it's the group called Soul Work. And my teacher lives actually here in Indianapolis. She used to live in Costa Rica, but she's from Indy and with COVID and everything, she ended up moving back here. And I sat down with her one time and I'm like, Adi, you're killing me. Like everything she just, she also did a meditation certification, which I still haven't done yet. I had to, I had to hold myself back. I really wanted to sign up for it. Well, you need something to look forward to. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can come back and talk to us about the meditation course. Right. I mean, there's a master plan for everything. There is. Well, I'm actually getting ready to start another certification. I am interested in herbs and herbalism and I'm doing an Ayurvedic herbalist starting in August. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is amazing. I have a friend of mine who's been on the show a couple of times and I, I, I feel like I could just go down that rabbit hole. I just, I love it. I think it, it is such a beautiful topic. It is. And, it really is. And I think we need it more than ever. Like, especially after the last two and a half years, like yeah. any, the more healing we can do for ourselves, our spirits and the, and to help. So that's very exciting. Well, and that connection with nature is just such, I don't know about you, but for me is a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm having a rough day, I can practice yoga or I can go for a walk. And sometimes the walk wins because yeah. I just need to be outside. I need to be among the trees. I need to see a stream growing by. Um, that's very nourishing for me and for my spirit. Yeah. So. Well, I do, I, I do a lot of computer work yeah. in my, I'm, you know, hundred percent telehealth with my businesses. And so sometimes my, my face is just tired of seeing the screen so I have to play them like we're going I'll take my wild beast of a dog for a walk and she loves it so it's it is nice especially now that it's warmer out um just being outside and I'm one of those people it's really interesting where I used to always have like my phone with me or I'd be listening to something because I always felt I had to be doing something productive and I noticed that my anxiety and stress was still high when I had an electronic device on me when I was going for a walk. So, and I'm not saying this for everyone because I know like people, like it, it just for me. And so I stopped taking it completely when I go for a walk. Oh, that's awesome. And it just feels like that's where I, I feel I can connect with myself. I can, I can rejuvenate. I think um, for myself, uh, the dependency on cell phones is so detrimental. Like it's, there's so many great things, but it's so detrimental as yeah, well. So, very much so I totally agree with that. So tell me a little bit more about, uh, about yoga. How do you define it to people? What, what is the specialties that you've done that you've dedicated your life to? Okay. Um, yoga is an eight <laughs> experience. 
the physical aspect of yoga is only one of the eight limbs. Did you know that? I did not actually. Yeah, there are eight limbs to yoga. The first two limbs are the yamas and the niyamas, and they deal with your internal systems, how you react and respond to the world around you, and how you react and respond to your inside self. So like it involves like self-talk and treating yourself. Um, Pranayam is breath, and that's one of the eight limbs. And then the other four all have to do with basically going internal and meditate meditation and connection to to the divine okay okay are the last four limbs um so one is withdrawal of senses so that's coming into yourself and then the other three involve um connection with self and connection with the divine yoga actually means union Oh, divine union, union right? Or divine, is it union? Well, divine okay. union, union with self, union with community, and right. divine union. So, and, union in all its 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 forms. And what's and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my interpretation has always been, people can take that and connect it to whatever path they're on. Absolutely, which is oh yeah, gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I I work with a private one on one client. Um, so fourteen year old kid, He's so cool. So oh favorite. wow, yeah. 14 year old boy, I've been practicing yoga, teaching him yoga for a little over a year. Um, our first, he goes to Catholic school mm-hmm. and our, our first weeks together, not weeks, our first or second month together, or third month together, something like that was, um, we met on Fridays and we met on good Friday. Oh. And so I did a yin sequence with him. I connected it to Good Friday. And so, yes, you can connect it to anything. You can connect it to whatever path you happen to be on. Right. That's awesome. I remember when uh, I had always, I grew up thinking yoga, uh, you know, I saw it in the movies, that it was <laughs> something that, you know, <laughs> you go get a Starbucks and then I don't recall. I'm like, I can never, I, you had to be that per, that perfect body type in order to be yoga and all of that. And I went to my first yoga class and my teacher's name was Luis and he was so gentle and had this spiritual energy to him, but also talked about the stress of grocery shopping. Like it was just like exactly what I needed. And um, I, I I just remember looking around me and he adjusted some of my moves when I was doing it for the first time in the most uh, compassionate way, it, mm-hmm. you know, of just like, Hey, let me just show you how to do that. And I remember watching the people around me and there was this one woman who was just breathtaking watching her do yoga because she was just going into it. It was uh-huh. like, it was mystical because she was just in that energy. Yeah, it can be, I, I have a morning practice that I do and it's a song. Okay, tell me more. It's a flow. It's a song. I do sun salutations and it's just, it's a basic, simple, traditional from my lineage, which is different from other, some other lineages to some degree, not a lot, but a little bit. Um, So just simple sun salutations, two to three, sometimes four rounds, depending on how I'm feeling. And it just, you get into that flow and it just becomes a song between you and the divine. Oh, could you explain, you know, maybe for people who are listening who don't know what a sun salutation would be? Okay, a sun salutation is a heated sequence of 
can't remember how many poses. It's like eight poses. That sounds good. Um, Just go with it. About it's about eight. <laughs> it's about eight poses. So it might okay. be 10, um, eight to ten poses, but they're done like very in a flowy way, very sequentially. There's not a lot of space between each of the postures that you're in. Um, and so you just, you move through them very quickly okay. or fairly quickly, or you can move through them slower. It just kind of depends on your body and where it is. Sometimes I start a little slower and then speed up. Okay. And how did, you know, I know you said that you got into it because of your teacher, but what, what moved you to be able to go into yoga? Cause that isn't just taking a yoga class like me, like you've really committed to it. I have really committed to it. Um, it's kind of had a snowball. So I took my 200 hour yoga teacher training um, so that I could, cause I've been a classroom teacher for 24 years right. and I saw so much disconnect with my kids. Really? I saw so much depression. I saw so much anxiety. I've taught high school for much of my career. Um, the last nine years have been spent teaching high school. So lots of depression, lots of anxiety. Um, I've had kids that have done suicide attempts. I've had kids in inpatient treatment centers. Um, and this is before 2020. Oh, oh right, right. So it's it's even worse now. Um, and one of the things that I've done a lot of reading, I've done a lot of research, I attended a Google Apps for Education and one of the seminars talked about yoga and meditation for kids and the power of it. And it brought up some studies. And I talked to the lecturer, asked her to send me the information, got those things. My intent was to write curriculum for high school students. Oh, okay. When I started my, I did not expect to be teaching yoga. I expected to be writing curriculum for high school students. I wanted to um, target specifically kids with anxiety and depression because I was seeing so much of it. Um, I wanted to set up a meditation room in my high school when kids got in trouble. (laughs) Right. Well, I've Um, seen studies where where they're saying that's that's more advantageous than so detention. Powerful. Yes, so powerful. Yeah. Um, and I had, before I did the yoga teacher training, I ran into a friend of mine at a different yoga class over the summer who was also a teacher at the school that I was working at. And she and I decided to do an experiment to see how it went. So I came every morning for the entire first semester and led a five to 10 minute guided systematic relaxation meditation with her class. Okay. Um, and about three quarters of the way through, and we told the kids it's purely optional. You can, you can participate. You don't have to participate. Mm -hmm. If you don't participate, we just ask that you don't do nothing for the first five to 10 during the meditation, like just sit there. Um, you can put your head down. Like you don't have to participate in any way, shape or form. Just don't be on your phone. Don't be on your computer. Don't be doing your bell work for math. And so about three quarters of the way through the semester, one of the kids, and this is, this was, this was a repeater math class. There's kind of some tough kids in there who you don't do very well in school. Some of them kind of get in trouble a lot. They're the misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Those, those kinds of kids. They're my favorite, actually. Mm -hmm. I love, (laughs) I love those kids. Um, They're so special in so many ways, but I had this one kid who would definitely fall into that, got in trouble a lot, um, would get in fights, that kind of thing. And he said, you know, I was going through my day yesterday and 
things were good and I was having a really good day and then something happened and I decided that that I wasn't going to let that get in the way of my good day and I was like score win win right there wow what a change that is why meditation is so it can be such a powerful tool for 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 people in general not just teenagers or kids but people and so what happened after the semester um she was unable to have me come into her class uh, the second semester so we had to just continue doing it but yeah but they got a semester of your teaching they got a semester of it yeah it was really cool and I connected them with some apps and some other tools that they could use um and I've used meditation a lot I have uh what's the name of it I want to say Kamba but I know that's not it um Claire, clear, clear, clear. Uh, I'll think of it. Okay. Uh, but there's a meditation app that I have on my phone. And there have been a couple of times I do a computer class where the kids are taking a class online. And um, I get a lot of their recovering credits that they've for classes that they've previously failed okay. in, in this course. Um, and it's all online, but I have a small group, 10 to 14 kids. Um, so they can really dig in and get to know them. And I would have one, I just hand her my phone and earphones and go here, go pick it here. Meditation apps up, go listen to something. And she'd go, I had a little room and she'd go in the little room and she'd listen to them. And then she'd come back out. She'd be like, okay, I'm fine now. (laughs) Now, do you see any resistance from the school of doing that? Or people who don't believe in it? No, I don't. Okay. No, the school that I'm at has been supportive-ish not enough to let me do a meditation room in the, <laughs> not enough to let me do a meditation room, but they've been open to the idea. So okay. yeah, it, and, and as long as we make it optional. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's such an, an amazing thing to teach them a new skill of, and you yeah. could put it in so many different ways, like in the mental health field, it's like, you know, uh, a coping skill, you know, yeah. distress tolerance. There's so many different ways to say, hey, this is how you take care of yourself. And right. how many adults do do we know that need the same skills? Exactly. Yeah. So, so you, you and I had talked a little bit about how uh, grief also played a role in you finding yoga. Is that do you want to yes, share a I can little bit? Ta- I can share a little bit about that. Um, nine years ago, my divorce was final. Okay. Uh, five months after my divorce was final, my mother was diagnosed with a glioblastoma multiform, which is a basically death sentence brain tumor. Oh. She died nine months later. Um, when my dad retired, which was several years prior to my mom's diagnosis, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and um, had slight declines. Um, his brother had died the two years before my mom, I think. And, um, you know, we noticed like he would be fine and then he would dip and then he would come back up, but not back up to where he was. Okay. was. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, my brother, my brother calls it the three year shit storm. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, because my mom was in and out of hospital. Uh, when she went through treatment, it she didn't do well with it. She had a nice steady, steady decline in her body. Um, and then she had one chemotherapy treatment that put her, she had radiation first, and that put her in the hospital for two, at least two weeks, maybe three, and then into rehab. And then we just pulled her from rehab and brought her home. Wow. Um, in that process, my dad had 
fallen, broke several ribs. He almost died. He was on one floor of the hospital. She was on another and we were kind of bouncing between them. And he ended up um, at rehab with her. He was, when he arrived, he was non-responsive, not non-responsive. His eyes were open, but he wasn't really answering anything. Oh. Next morning, he was completely non-responsive at all. We almost lost him that next day. Um, and then, so he was back in the hospital. He was very, very, very sick um, for a good week, week and a half, high fever, in and out of consciousness um, while mom's at rehab. And then he ended up back at rehab with mom um, for a while. And then at some point they were like, well, we don't know when we're gonna pull him out. It'll just be some time. So finally my brothers and I were like, eh, they're going home. So we just pulled him and took him home, but then it was overwhelming for my brother. And so my other brother and I, there were three of us, my other brother and I would rotate weekends and we'd have care come in um, to give him a break so that he was only there about four days, five days. Um, and then my other brother and I would take weekends. So we would oh, arrive wow. after work on every other, we would, he and I would alternate. So we would arrive after work on Friday and stay until Monday morning um, when the caregiver would come in. Oh my gosh. And then my brother that lived in the house with my parents, he would stay at one of our two houses, whoever happened to be at mom and dad's that weekend. So really coming um, together during this really devastating time. Yeah, we really wow. did. Um, and then uh, my mom did one chemotherapy treatment and ended up in the hospital. We thought we were going to lose her then. Like it was, it was bad. She was hallucinating and just all kinds of things. Um, and then she ended up in that process. Um, we met with a counselor and decided to put them in uh, assisted living. Okay. Well, my mom was so far, I don't want to say so far gone. That's not the right word. She was so, needed so much extra support right. that she actually had to go into the nursing portion of the facility where my dad went into assisted living. Um, and then that was traumatic in and of itself because she's saying, get me out of here. I don't like this. I want to go back home. And then my brothers are very sweet, sweet boys. And they're wanting to get mom home. And it just, it, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I want to go back to daughter. Cause I am one of those people. I just picked things up and became in charge of everything. Um, so nine months to the day after mom's resection surgery, she passed away. Oh, my so dad sorry. lasted, thank you. And my dad lasted two years. We weren't sure how long after mom died, dad was gonna last. So he lasted two years. Um, and then my oldest brother passed away two years after my dad. Oh my goodness. So um, I, did a, I did a lesson a couple of weeks ago uh, theme for one of my yoga because I teach a grief yoga class. Oh, wow. Well, um, and, sounds and like was, you know, I mean, you've lived it. You've lived it. Like I have lived it. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, and, and I was talking a little bit about my lengthy, the long part of my grief story, and I called it grief cakes. <laughs> oh, uh, tell me more. There's, there's another, awesome. uh, there's another, I bake. I'm oh, okay. Free. I've been gluten free for um, 19 years and I'm a gluten-free baker. Oh my gosh. And it, this was after my mom died, but before <laughs> my dad passed away, um, I was kind of a hot mess and we had, yeah, well, you know, I, I didn't grieve 
when my mom, I did a little bit, but I didn't fully grieve when my mom died because we were launched into caring for my dad. He had an infection. Yeah. It was like one thing after another. And I lived on for three years. And like I said, I was in charge of everything. So I was the one who, you know, when something happened at the hospital or something happened with the assisted living, I I was number one phone call. Mm -hmm. And as we were doing things, I, 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 I not only had plans A, B, and C, but I had usually worked out to plan H because it was one of those circumstances where everything that can go wrong will and did on a regular basis. Okay. So like, I would be like, well, if this doesn't work, then we can do this. And if that doesn't work, then we can do that. And I just, in my mind, I had multiple plans worked out constantly. Right. That, w- that was my life for three years. Right. Um, so in the middle of this, my friend, so sweet, her significant other was turning 30 and she wanted me to make some gluten-free, she dairy-free, she's dairy-free. So she wanted me to make some gluten-free dairy-free cupcakes for his big bash birthday party. Um, and she paid me for the job. I had three dozen or something, three dozen cupcakes. I made three batches of three dozen cupcakes and none of them came out. None. Not a single gluten free is hard. It's hard and oh, dairy free. Oh it. my! I have it mastered. Wait, do you sell these? I need to know. Like, I might be having no. To I don't. Oh, okay. I bake for my friends. Like, I love my friends, and I bake for my friends. Um. Well, maybe there'll be another business down the road. <laughs> no, no, no. It's too much. <laughs> Baking is hard. Like I it is. It's respect for bakers and people in the food industry. It is into, and I'm a slow baker, so mm. I would not do well. Like it would not be good for me to make many. <laughs> so what I flavor were these cupcakes? It. Now I'm getting. I don't remember they were vanilla, but I don't remember. I don't remember what the frost. It's it's been a while. I don't remember what the frosting was. But the cake never turned out. So yeah, they fell, tunneled in just deeply. The texture was off. The flavor was like pure sugar and nothing else. It was, they were bad. So um, yeah, so <laughs> I call it, I refer to it as the cupcake disaster disaster of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did they ever come out? No, three batches sobbing. So I go to my friends. She did also ask me to make a small cheesecake for him. That came out. It was delicious. A dairy-free gluten-free cheesecake? Oh no, just a regular cheesecake. He wasn't dairy-free. It was gluten-free. Oh, okay. Gluten-free cheesecake isn't as hard. I've had dairy-free cheesecake. Mm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just can't. If I'm gonna have cheesecake, I'm gonna have cheesecake. Yeah. But this was just for him. Now my friend okay. is dairy free. Her okay. significant other is not. Um, so I made this little, and she had paid me for the three dozen cupcakes. And I show up at the birthday party, sunglasses on, because I've been sobbing. Keep in mind, I had not fully grieved my mother as well. Right. And we were in the middle of dealing with my dad we also had company from out of town my german sister put that in quotation marks was visiting with her daughter okay um and so yeah i show up at the party i'm sobbing i give sarah her money back my friend and i just cried i'm so sorry they didn't come out like i have nothing i'm so sorry (laughs) And she was so sweet and so 
kind to me and she hugged me and she was like it's okay it's all right we they had something else that other people could have that that was something that she could have so she just couldn't have anything so is that where you noticed some of your grief was kind of sneaking out a little bit I didn't notice it. I did. I couldn't have told you at the time. Okay. Uh, looking back now, I'm like, oh yeah, that was totally because grief when you ignore it and you mm-hmm. shove it down. <laughs> no, 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 I no. know. Yep. Grief wants to be acknowledged. Yes. Like, yes. It it needs to be seen. Yes. Um. And so yeah, it was absolutely grief. Yeah, that's hard. Absolutely. I've I've experienced grief in the sense of where. I, I, something is off and I don't know what it is. And then I just kind of sit and I'll, you know, just be sitting. It's like, oh, and then I bawled. And then I'm like, I just needed a good cry. And like, I needed to purge that little wave of energy. And then I'm like, okay. But it, it's crazy how dis, how, and it's funny because I think sometimes we actively disconnect. And then I think mm-hmm. sometimes it just naturally happens because we're busy. Yeah. And so, like you said, that little grief isn't going anywhere. It's oh, no. like, they're committed. Oh, yeah. Grief is so committed to being heard. And the more you try and stuff it down, the more it's going to, like, perk up in other ways. And so how did that connect you to yoga? Okay. Funny story. Never thought I would be teaching grief yoga. Okay. Um, seriously, I wanted to work with kids. Like, even when I started my business, I wanted to work with people who weren't interested in traditional yoga studios because I'm a little bit different. Um, and I I wanted it accessible to people who had this fascination and interest in it. I think there's something there for me. I just don't know what it is. And I'm not walking in the doors of that yoga studio down the street. Okay. Those are my people. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I, I started doing some classes. Uh, I see one-on-ones. I see uh, small groups, like whatever is needed, I can do. Um, and I also have virtual um, capabilities too. So I, could do virtu- I do virtual classes, uh, virtual one-on-ones. Uh, if you have a family that wants to meet virtually, I can do that also. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't it fun? Yeah. Um, get the whole family doing yoga together. Absolutely. And they could be all over the place. Yeah anywhere. Um, and so I was at the spa, my friend, who's a clinical herbalist as well. I was at the spa and she was doing a facial or something. And she goes, you know what, Paige, just out of the blue, you know, what, Paige, you need to teach grief yoga. My immediate reaction was absolutely not. I could never do that. And I've done a lot of work over the last several years. And I know that when I have that reaction that I really need to actually sit with that and see what's really there for me. And so I did. (laughs) I went, oh, I guess I'm teaching grief yoga. (laughs) And it started as I'm just going to do six weeks and see what happens. Okay. Um, And the power in the first four sessions I was like no this is just a permanent class on my on my board wow so grief yoga is a permanent class on my schedule um I teach it twice a week I teach it Mondays at six yeah Mondays at six and Wednesdays at 5 30. 
so is this something I've never heard of grief yoga before? Is this something that you created or is it something well, that you studied? It actually exists. I did oh. not study it. I created what I do. Okay. There are, there is a grief yoga certification that you can get. Um, but I took my training and I went, oh yeah, I can, I can do this. I can hold, I can hold, I've been through a lot of grief myself. Like I can hold space for people who are grieving. It's heavy. It's heavy work. Um, but it's so beautiful. And the feedback I've gotten from my clients is just magical. The ones who it really connects with. Um, one of my clients said last, no Wednesday that it helps her with her process. Oh. And that in this space, I create this space that you bring whatever you've got, wherever you are. Okay. So if you're a sobbing mess in tears, I'm probably going to put you in child's pose and say, if you want to move, let me know. But for now, you just stay here. Oh my gosh, that sounds very and, and intuitive I, to their needs. And I recommend, you know, I talk to all of my students um, at the beginning of class or clients. I feel like they're clients less than students. I talk to all my clients at the beginning of class and I say, this space is anything is safe. I don't care if you are sobbing. I don't care if you're angry. What and the spectrum, whatever feelings you have are welcome in this space. And if at any point you need to stop, I will not be hurt. I, it will not bother me at all. Here's child's pose. And I show them child's pose. You are welcome to go into this pose. And I give them a couple of others as well. Mm -hmm. If this is not comfortable for you, you can go to Shavasana, which is corpse pose on your back. Like you can, the key, I give them the, at least those two. And sometimes I might even give them another one. Uh, fetal, fetal position. You can also okay. go in fetal position. So I usually give those three. You can come to one of these three places, whatever feels good in your body today. If you need me, wave. Otherwise, I'm going to leave you alone until you're ready to move on. Right. Um, and, and it's just that space to be with grief. Our society says you should move on. Aren't you done with that yet? Mm -hmm. It's been three days. Right. Move on. It's been, it's been four years. Aren't, yes. aren't you? Aren't you over that yet? Yeah. Over uh, losing no. someone. <laughs> grief yeah. is there forever. Mm -hmm. And you've got to learn how to, you don't have to, you could not learn how to live with it. But if you want to be a function, at least functioning human being, if you want to be a thriving human being, you've got to learn how to work with it yes. and what it means to you and what it's like in your life. And if there are times where you're feeling completely overwhelmed with grief, there are things that you can do to help. That sounds like such a, I, I'm just, you know, taken away because I never, I never, like I said, I've never heard a class like that and I didn't even know it existed and how many people would benefit from that. It is so needed in our world today. Absolutely. You know, one thing um, it, it, that I see too a lot is, uh, what is it called? Like trauma-informed yoga. Yeah. Or, you know, like if you had specific, and one of the things that I've seen. My training this, is all trauma. Informed. Oh, okay. Also, it, what are, one of the things that I've seen, you know, I think pre-COVID was, you know, I was seeing more and more classes uh, being offered, you know, kind of like you're saying, like six or eight weeks or something like that. But as a, as a therapist and a, and a coach, I always also look out being a man for things that are open to men that are a little different. And I was surprised yeah 
in my area, but also other areas, that all of the classes were dedicated for women, yeah. which I, I love and I appreciate, but no one was offering anything for men. Men are welcome in my space. Okay, yay! Woo-hoo. I'll be there. I have, I'll check um, it out. I have a brother but and it, sister that come to one of my classes. But is, is there? And, and I don't know if it's just like the people that I know, but I, it just made me sad because the education that I knew they were getting in those courses, men men definitely needed to break. It's like you're That's saying the societal things of yeah. of of learning how to be connected to their bodies, of learning mm-hmm. how to feel their emotions, and and knowing that that doesn't change their masculinity, it just makes right. them healthier. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, two two things to say about this, if you don't mind. So my my the brother <laughs> of the brother sister that comes to my yoga, they're so sweet. Oh my gosh, they're so fun. I just absolutely adore them. The first class, he he sat up at the end of class and just tears pouring down his cheeks. And he said, you know, I was told by someone, and I think he told me who, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I was told by someone that if I'm going to be a man and I'm going to cry, I need to hold my head up and hold my chest up and cry like a man. And I was like, oh, that's so beautiful Yeah. that just to be in that and express that emotion and that it's okay to cry. And if you're going to do it, just hold your head up and cry because it's a natural emotion. And then the other thing I want to say about a month after I started universe has just a funny way with things uh, about a month after I started teaching grief yoga, uh, one of my students was tragically killed in an accident. Now I have been a mild disability, special education teacher, which means on the high school level, typically once a kid is on my caseload, they're on my caseload for their whole high school career. Okay. And if they have siblings, siblings are also typically on my caseload. Not always, okay. but most of the time. Um, in this particular instance, the child who died in the car crash, um, older brother, oldest brother, and youngest younger younger sister were all on my caseload. Uh, well, so I had been with the family for almost nine years. Oh my goodness. Um, and so I knew, I knew these people, I knew right. these, I know these kids. Um, I was at oldest brother's wedding. Wow. I was the only teacher there. Um, and it was, it was hard. It, it was, it was hard. It was me and the grieving kids for about a week. Cause it was about the week, a week before spring break. Oh, geez. Um, and those, those kids, those are the ones who remember I told you I like the misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are they, they are they are my people. But that was part of this crew, right? And and this crew of kids is so close. And one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen is these tough boys sobbing openly for their friend. Wow. And then, and then taking that, one of the kids that our school does a senior project. So um, this particular, the boy who passed away, um, he had raised a canned food. He'd done a canned food drive for a local pantry. And um, he had done the drive. He had done everything but taken the food and dropped it off at the pantry. Wow. So one of his best buddies and a couple of teachers 
piled everything in their car and took it over to the food drive. Oh my gosh. And then the newspaper come and came into this absolutely beautiful story about this young man taking up his friend's banner in doing this in honor of his friend. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So beautiful. And this is a kid, like when he was a freshman, fights all the time, flipped off the handle very, very quickly, very, very easily. It took a lot to earn. He was one, he's one of those kids. It takes a lot to earn his trust. Like a lot of these kids are, it takes a lot to earn their trust. And then we get the head of mental health is sending an email out to the counselors. We hear that it's my understanding that these kids might not be grieving properly. I've heard that several times in the last three months and it just drives me insane. These kids may not be grieving properly. So what does that mean? I don't know. They're not crying enough. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. Like, are they crying too much? Maybe did I had a kid that got angry about it. Anger is a perfectly acceptable grief emotion. Yep. Perfectly acceptable. Yes. He was mad. Absolutely. And there was a teacher that referred her to guidance because she wasn't grieving correctly. And this was like the day after or two days after. Wow. And it just kind of reflects the, the, uh, what's the word? The dysfunction in our society of not only grief, but emotions. Yes. Like if someone doesn't, I mean, first of all, it's like, like, I guess I'm going to go on the devil's advocate. It's like, at least they were trying, like they were worried about the kids. So yay. But the way they were doing, (laughs) you know, the way they were doing, it doesn't sound like they were actually connected, but so many people are so have such an aversion to emotions, but we want everyone to be happy and okay. But we're not always happy and okay. And that's okay. It's okay to not be happy and okay. Yeah. Your yes. best friend died. Your parent died. This and there's relationship no, ended. Yeah. Like, and how do you compare that? Like, there's no, there's no reference point for that. No. There's no, I, I mean, when I've lost people, th- this is the strangest thing. Uh, I'll always think I see them after. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I remember someone very close to me and I remember I went to the grocery store and I thought I saw him even though I know he was gone. And I just remember like walking into an aisle and almost just having a full-blown panic attack because it was just that wave of, oh my God, this is real. Yeah. This is real. That's what, when I'm dealing with grief, sometimes it's that it's like, okay, this is really happening. This has really happened. Yeah. As if that disbelief is so powerful. Sometimes it takes a long time for that, for the idea that that person is not there to soak in. Right, right, right. Like sometimes there's that, you know, you, you hear people, I didn't, I thought about it a few times. So where I am, my mom and I were really close, but I hadn't, I wasn't picking up the phone and calling her on a regular basis before she died. Okay. I was going to see her. So it, I didn't really pick up the phone much, but I've heard people say, you know, my, my mom, you know, my mom died, my dad died. And I picked up the phone to call him, but then I realized they weren't going to be there on the other end of the line. Um, and I think I had gotten out of the habit of calling my mom because she really couldn't talk on the phone. She, and, and we, my brothers and I just kind of gathered around her. I saw her almost daily. Um, and then finally it got to the point where I was like, I, this is killing me. 
going to see her every day for months on end, not just, you know, one visit, but for months on end. And so I started taking two or three days a week for myself. And I think that's such an important part, Paige, and I'm glad you bring that up, that, you know, people that I've worked with is they feel that guilt or that shame when they say this is just too much and they feel like they're letting down their loved ones, but sometimes it is too much. It it is. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. Like we need to like purge a little bit (laughs) before we can just go back in. It's kind of like a sponge, I think. Yeah. And you just have to, sometimes you just have to integrate it and dip your toe into some normalcy Yes. in, in the world. Because when you're dealing with stuff like that, it's, it's so topsy-turvy. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't necessarily do it in a healthy way. I started doing CrossFit. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was, there's your commitment coming through again. I love it. Right. I started doing CrossFit and it was the one thing the one hour of my day where I could forget about everything because it was so hard and it hurt so much. Were you flipping tires? I always oh, say gosh, yes. flipping. I love flipping tires. It's so much fun. Flipping tires and jumping. It makes me so anxious. The jumping. No, I don't like no, no burpees. No, I don't I'm like, like that. But I'm the like, flipping tires, like, we would take the best ever was we would take a sledgehammer and like sledgehammer the tire. Oh my God. I think you should turn that into your grief class. <laughs> I I love that. <laughs> Slam something. Yes. It was the best feeling ever. <laughs> so, I also got into, I also got into <laughs> shortly thereafter that didn't last, that lasted a couple years. And then I actually got into powerlifting, okay. um, which I powerlifted for three years. And then, and then yoga was in, was during actually that started time? doing yoga when I was powerlifting. Oh, okay. did it help with stretching? To, it did. Yeah, okay. actually a lot. It helped significantly. Um, so the gym that I was going to, she had a yoga teacher come in once a week and do yoga classes. And I would go to those sometimes. Mm. One of my um, funny yoga classes is, um, you know, in the mental health field, we're always talking about good self-care, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this is pre-COVID. And I said, okay. And I had enjoyed, I've done hot yoga, which I really enjoy. It's, it's hard, but I really do enjoy it. I don't don't know. I like it. But however, this day I was like, okay, it's been a crazy week. I'm going to do a hot yoga class at five 30 on a Friday. Yeah. So I went there and, and I had taken enough yoga where I was getting, I was doing the poses and I kept getting angry. (laughs) I was, I was like, okay, I know this could happen, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't like passing. (laughs) And I just like fantasized. I don't know if anyone else has done this in a yoga class. I just fantasized about storming out because I was just so (laughs) irritated, but I'm like, I will like storm out and you will, you know, whatever that might be. (laughs) And then I just realized, uh, you know, during during the week, part of my job is I have to be in so much silence because I just listen. Yeah. And having to go to a class where I'm in silence again for an hour and a half, my spirit, my my inside was like, you need the opposite. You need to get it out. Yeah. 
And you scream. Yeah, and as soon as I realized that, the it subsided, and then I enjoyed the rest of the class, and I did not die. I'm here to that's live good. in jail. That's good. I had water. Um, I almost passed out once, but hey, that's another. Like that, it really is hot. For a hot yoga. But, um, <laughs> But it was just that listening to, you know, I knew that it was good for my body, but then my heart was, I need to get that energy out. And then I learned, you know, hot yoga or like yoga classes, I different kinds and different days. Yeah. I think you and I were talking and I would love to, for you to tell us if you can a little bit more about yin yoga. Well, and I, I'm going to add something in here real quick before I jump into yin yoga, sure. different, different times of year as well. Mm. So different kinds, also different times of year. So in the winter, when it's so cold, especially if you live in a cold climate, you want something hot. You want that heating because your body is, is cold. So hot, hotter classes are better in the winter. In the summer, when it's hot already, especially if you're like I am and I run warm, you want things that are cooling, that are slowing down a little bit. So you might want a good slow flow instead of a, instead of a hot, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. In fact, I, I kind of tailor my, my grief yoga classes. We had been doing some really complex sequences. Um, I'd been working with the people that I'd had for a while. So if I have a new person that comes in, I tailor for them. Um, and then I was like summer hit and I was like, oh, you know, we need to slow things down. So I did, I've slow, we've got, we're right now we're in some slow, slow, slow flows. I can't say that. So yin yoga is beautiful. Yin yoga is hard in the sense that you have to learn, you have to know how to sit with yourself. So if you struggle to meditate, if you struggle to sit just in quiet with yourself, you might want to work up to yin yoga. Like, okay. or you might want to do some things before you go to a yin yoga class, because there are three to five minutes, you're put in a posture and you hold that posture for three to five minutes. Okay. There's a lot of silence in a yin yoga class. The teacher does not talk the entire time. Um, if you go to a vinyasa or a slow flow, um, your teacher may talk a little bit, a lot more. Okay. There'll be less silence. Um, so if silence is something that's really hard for you, or if you've been silent a lot, yin might not necessarily be the right thing, but it can, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It I've taken, I was taking the, there, there was a woman who was teaching them in my area before COVID. It was, it was just beautiful. Just so yeah. beautiful. And it is yeah. hard. You're right. It is hard. It is. It's one it's of the hard, the slower the yoga, the harder the form, because then you have to be quiet and still with yourself. And if you don't know how to do that, you can get angry. Right. <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking, and I don't know if you've experienced this, is I get a lot of questions, especially around ADD and ADHD, or uh -huh. you know, other related attention-related issues. What do you recommend for people like that who might be interested, who struggle with meditation, who don't understand that, or who are interested in yoga? I would but start with afraid. like a slow flow or a vinyasa class. Okay. Definitely a beginner. Okay. A beginner, someplace that tailors to beginners. You can come to me. I tailor to beginners. Okay. And you said um, like you do online. So yeah, wherever I you do are, online. people could. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I would start with. You might even, if you really struggle, you might even start with a one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. Um, 
just to get a feel for how it is and learn some of the sequences first. So that's also another option. Um, I know there are people all over that teach one-on-one. -on -one. I do as well. But if you don't connect with me then, yeah. and you feel like somebody else might be a better fit for you, then um, yeah, and just investigate one-on-one -on -one yoga in your area. That's a good place to start as well. There is a yoga therapy. I'm not a yoga therapist, uh, but my classes are therapeutic like, okay. I, can't, I, I don't have the yoga therapist training. I can't, I can't put that hat on. Um, it's an additional, you have to teach for two years and then it's additional five years of courses in order to be a yoga therapist. And I'm old enough that I'm probably not going to do that. Um, but I don't know. I just hear the word yet. I don't know why. Like I'm just hearing <laughs> Just hear the word yet maybe i don't know you know i'm not gonna say not not because you it's a long time what's gonna happen i i had a friend of mine who um wanted to get trained in yoga nidra uh -huh. um and i i thought okay that would be interesting to experience a little bit but she was doing a training she was going to be doing a training in india and i've always wanted to go to india mm -hmm. but it was like a 21 day training and the training like every day was like 10 hours oh yeah <laughs> and I thought if I'm going to India I'm not spending <laughs> the majority not, of the time I'm not class. gonna go to an ashram and spend 21 days Sorry. And, so see like, I actually I would do that I would I would do 21 days in India in a training. right I'm well I was I would do 21 days in India but I was like I couldn't do it where it's like I I need to see like maybe like five hours to go see the country but I, I would need to explore but uh yeah. maybe that's something else in the cards and so and how do you find you know how do you explain why yoga helps people with grief that's a good question it okay so one of the things that happens sometimes is um, we store, as you probably know, as a therapist, we store emotion in our bodies sometimes. Right. Like if we stuff it down, that's going to get stored in, in your tissues. And there are certain yoga poses that release that emotion because oftentimes things get stuck in the chest, shoulders, neck area and in okay. the hips. And so that's why when you do like a position that might open the heart. So when you're bending the chest back, like you camel pose, I've known people that will go into, and if you, people can look that up, they can look up camel pose and see what it is. It's a big chest opener. Okay. Um, and sometimes when people go into that, like they'll burst into tears and it's because that emotion, whatever was trapped in the tissues of the body was actually released by going into that position. Wow. Um, there's a couple of really deep hip openers, a uh, lizard, it's also called dragon Indian and, um, pigeon, uh, are also really deep. And sometimes people go, will go in those. I've gone in those before and things come up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that's why it's really good for grief because anything that you might have stuffed, like I said, grief, what demands to be heard, it wants to be acknowledged, um, so if you've stuffed grief down, going into those positions and postures help release grief so that you can see it and hear it. I create a space for you to be able to sit with it and give it some time. 
Um, and also so of, they're not alone, like you're saying. Right, you're not think, alone. Somebody you know. is with you. Um, you know, at the very least, I can come over and wrap my arm around you and cry with you. Like, I'm perfectly okay with that. I've done it before. Um, it, it, gives, it gives space to just acknowledge grief. And, you know, one of my clients has also said that there's no expectation in a, in a grief yoga class. Like you don't, I, I tell people like, you don't have to do the sequence. I'm a guide. You can do it. You can not do it. If it's not feeling it, if you're not feeling it, don't, I'm, I'm not going to be hurt. I might change things too. And the energy of the room and how I feel some things are intuitive as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing that we do is we do a lot of pranayama or breath. And when you're in a grief overload, connecting with your breath helps you connect with yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you can release. What needs and to then be you can release what needs to be released. Mm -hmm. And we even talk about like not naming it. Don't give it a story. Just feel whatever it feels like in your body. Right. Don't attach anything to it because the more you attach to it, the more it's going to want to hang around. And you really don't want it to hang around. You want it to bounce out of your body. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Paige. This is yeah. awesome. So <laughs> if people wanted to get a hold of you, what is the best way to connect with you? Um, you can connect <clears throat> with me on Facebook or Instagram very easily. I am Tulsi, T-U-L-S-I, Rose Yoga. Okay. My website is TulsiRoseYoga.com. So it's T-U-L-S-I-RoseYoga.com. If you put a forward slash after that and do five things, I have a five things to do and you feel overwhelmed with grief. Ooh, I love those. That's Yay. a free little downloadable. Yeah, it's a PDF. Um, so it's got five different things that if you're feeling overwhelmed here, you can do all of them. You can do one of them. You can do none of them, like whatever, whatever fits. You could do That's two amazing. of them. Yeah. So one of the questions I always like to ask my guests as, the, as, the, as we kind of wind down is what is one piece of advice that you would like to give or have the audience walk away from our conversation tonight? Um, well, when grief is around, it demands to be heard. So you need, you need to see it. You need to sit with it and sitting with grief can be really difficult. Um, but whatever feelings come up, feel those within that, within that grief, mm -hmm. allow them their space to pass through your body without connecting stories. I know I just said this a couple of minutes ago, but that's one of the most important things that you can do. And that's how you sit with grief, because the more you do that and the more you disconnect from the story that's attached to the feeling and just feel how it feels in your body, which can be difficult, mm -hmm. but the more you practice it, yeah, yoga is a practice. Meditation mm -hmm. is a practice. Right. Um, the more you practice this, these things, the easier it becomes and the easier it becomes to sit with grief. And then you can begin to turn that grief into something else like I've done. 
Wonderful. I love that. That's so beautiful. Paige, thank you so much for coming to Friday Night Feels. I hope you come back sometime. Thank you. This is, I would love to come back. Yay. This is so much awesome. fun. Yay. Awesome. And, and I just want to do a quick shout out, you know, to thank everyone who watches and supports Friday Night Feels. And to remember, you know, we are on my YouTube channel and also the um, podcast channels. I did just want to do a little announcement. Um, uh, friends of mine who have a non-for-profit organization uh, that works with AIDS orphans in South Africa are doing an amazing fundraiser for on Mon Mandala Day, which is July 18th. And what it is, is if you're a runner, if you like to walk, you can do, you can raise money. It's a great foundation. Um, check my social media or send me an email so that way we can support these amazing kids. Uh, it's just a great way to be active and part of wellness and to give to maybe someone who needs some help. So if you have any questions, just check it out. But thank you to everyone who supports us. And we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and have a beautiful weekend. Have a good night, Bye. everyone.